Hello and welcome to the Presenting Complaint podcast with me, Adam Norton, and... Oh, me, Cena. Good intro. Um, so yeah, episode two, and um, I think we need to start with just thanking everyone for all the love and support that we got from the first episode and the little trailer that we put on it on Instagram. Um, I know me and Cena both received, and we just said before we started recording, loads of lovely messages and um, some really nice feedback, and that I think that gives us a lot of kind of motivation to continue with this and put a lot of effort into it and provide lots of value for you guys, and um, I think... In today's episode, we'll definitely do that because, as promised, we're joined by um, one of our good friends, Dr. TJ. Um, so, yeah, hello, TJ. Yeah, thank you for coming on the podcast. No, thank you. I'm honoured. I'm honoured to be the first guest on here. So, yeah, yeah no, hopefully, hopefully live up to the mark. Try to bring some value for you guys. But, no, honestly, I listened to the I listened to the first episode too. Got to say, very impressed. Aww. Great idea. Thank you. Great idea. And the, the way you guys have executed it so far is already impressive. So, uh, I'll definitely be tuning in every, every time an episode drops. Oh, thanks, mate. No appreciate it. Appreciate it. And yeah, so, um, and yeah, we're going to talk about DFT tips. I think today you guys are going to deliver me and anyone else listening who, and I guess dental students as well, find them useful. But yeah, um, some tips to not just pass FD year, but I think as you two both have, uh, go out and smash it and really grow as clinicians and, you know, put you all into it. So I guess anyone want to start? Yeah, yeah actually, I want to ask. Yeah. Adam, I'll say this: If any patient ever doubts you, just just pull down your mask because without fear, every patient will be in service. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> pull, out, pull out the mask if they ever question it because I know if I, was, I trust you wholeheartedly. <laughs> Um, DJ, wait till I, I wait till I have to shave it off. I mean, I was worried about that with the uh, COVID. You know, when you had, everyone had to shave for their masks, I was like, "Boy, I'm gonna look like 12." <laughs> Did you not shave for it? No, we we weren't on clinic, luckily, in that time, so I just oh, missed out on it because. So lucky, mate. Yeah, it would not have been a pretty sight. I've I've made TikToks of my friends, like what they look like after shaving, and honestly, like now I'm kind of like, I, I wish I didn't because I could never see them the same now. <laughs> I've not shaved, clean shaven in in a long, long time. Um, yeah, I don't know. I remember Maybe three years now. Three? That's not even that long. Uh, one of your one of our friends showed me you shaving, and you are a completely different human. Yeah, yeah. You still look good True. though, but I like uh, the beard. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it it works. It works, and it adds adds a few years on to the baby face. <laughs> so we'll take yeah. it. We had uh, in Bristol around that time. Um, it, it, it was it was because uh, I, I was president during COVID and, and they said for me to communicate that only people with sort of medical or religious exemptions just, could yeah. get the hoods. And you saw like instantly like all the boys just sort of contemplate being like, <laughs> am I going to be that shallow in his head? Like, you know, there was a lot of moral questions. Uh, but no, one, no, no one took the bait that we all would have called them out. Yeah, um, yeah, what was I going to say? TJ, last episode, I think I gave sort of an initial brief on how I sort of summed up my experience in FD year. Um, <laughs> how would you experience yours so far? You know what, FD, it's been a, it's been a great year. It's, it's come with its, its challenges, obviously. Um, the challenges are always always to be expected, but I've, I've worked with them with open arms. I think I'm very lucky in the fact that I'm in a very supportive practice and my uh, ESs, my supervisors are amazing. And uh, the practice in, in general just has pretty much everything I need, really. So, yeah, it's, it's been net positive for me. Um, as I said, that there's just challenges. There always will be. And I guess it will be sort of what we're going to be advising Adam on today as well, on little, little tips and tricks here and there. But I know I've enjoyed it. It's been a good year. 
Yeah, good mm. man. And um, like we, we were saying before, before we properly started, um, we've been keeping up with TJ's Instagram account and it's been so sick. And TJ does some real, real good quality work. Not good, fantastic quality mm-hmm. work for someone so early in their career. Um, and I'm so, I'm personally, I'm just so excited to see how that's going to go on when you really start sort of reviewing your cases and improving even more. Um, but TJ, where did that, would you say like that came straight off the bat in dental school where you sort of naturally pretty good and then built on top of that or how did you kind of go about things? Well, thank you for that. I appreciate, appreciate the compliment. And, uh, I'll start off by saying absolutely not. I definitely was not, not, not naturally good. Um, starting off well, uh, getting into dental school I found difficult to start with um so I only got one offer and that one offer was on results day on the morning of results day wow into results mm. day not knowing having a place for uni uh got my results first in the morning and then just went about my day just happy that I got the grades to reapply next year yeah. and then 30 minutes later I got an email saying uh waiting list offer I got an offer from Bart Queen Mary's and two, literally two weeks later, 14 days later, I had to move to London. I had to get all my stuff together and go, and go and start uni there. So I think personally, I, I took that. I was very grateful for the opportunity to be in dental school. Mm. As soon as I got in and I was there, it just felt so surreal. And I, I knew that I didn't I didn't take my place for granted from, from that moment on. I knew that I'd been given a golden opportunity in, in that sense. Mm. And therefore, the way I went through dental school was with that in mind, always. And I'd say naturally, I when I was a kid, I used to be an overconfident person. Like I used to overestimate my abilities quite a lot. Um, and I got humbled a few times when I went to A levels <laughs> and then to dental school, I got humbled again. It made me realize that I have to actually, you know, take a step back and reflect. And one of the things I was going to mention to Adam, which I think is really important in, in FD year, it's something I did in uni was stepping back from learning specific things. So, for example, I felt like a lot of people, students tend to look at, let's say endo, for example, and just be like, okay, how do I get good at endo? Let me know the tips. Let me know the little tricks here. Mm-hmm. But I always look back and just say, what's the best way to learn? How do you learn quicker? How do you learn a physical skill? How do you learn academically how to do better? How do you learn socially how to network better? How do you learn to communicate better? It wasn't the actual, I wasn't so obsessed with the actual end result of it. I wanted to step back a little bit and think about mm. how do you learn better? Cause I knew if I had mastered that skill, then for the rest of my life, any give me any new procedure, give me any new yeah. situation, I'd be more confident in the ability to face with it. So yeah, it definitely didn't happen naturally. It's something that I developed through dental school and now been refining the way I approach things. And I think it's, I think it's helped a lot. Mm. And on that topic of kind of learning to learn, like what have you, what have you learned about that? What's been kind of the most helpful thing you've taken from that to, you know, to be, to be able to implement learning new things efficiently? Yeah, of course. Yeah, so the first one I mentioned, reflection, about stepping back, taking the ability to almost step outside your own body. I think it's very easy to get your ego wrapped up inside of things. Let's say you're doing some extractions, you've got five extractions back to back, and you just want to just want to like flip off and be like, you know what, those extractions were ridiculous, they were so hard, the patient was really difficult. This, this, that You want to check out all these other reasons why something might not be going, going well, right? But I think if you're a reflective person, you can put your ego to the side and look at yourself honestly and transparently. You can identify flaws in yourself, just like I did. I identified that I wasn't I wasn't as smart as I thought I was. I wasn't as good at certain things I thought I was. And by doing that, I was able to look at myself more holistically and, and improve in that manner. Um, another way is like mentors, seeking out mentorship more, mm-hmm. seeking out elder people and asking them for advice. Um, I think often we're a bit scared of asking for, for, for advice, uh, being the first person to open that 
mentoring relationship. So I can talk about that in more detail if you want later mm-hmm. on. But I think finding and seeking out mentorship um, is an important part of that as well. And then um, just just learning from other people. So I listen. To, I'm a podcast junkie. So I yeah. I listen to mm-hmm. I listen to podcasts all the time. I li- and not just dentistry, outside dentistry as well. If you look at athletes are learning learning a sport, you you pick up things from them about how they went about learning certain things. Um, for example, one quote I love from Kirby Bryant is that he said if he saw something in basketball that he wants to implement to his game, he'd take it and he'd try it straight away into a game and he wouldn't be scared of missing, he wouldn't be scared of feeling embarrassed because he knew that at the end, if he mastered that skill, he'd have another another tool in his in his in his arsenal. So I can take that and apply it straight to dentistry. Uh, it's very, very applicable. Mm, so that is, that is really yeah, there cool. are a few there are a few ways that I took into learning quicker is those those sort of things. Definitely, definitely. And um, I've messaged you about this before and it's something I'm, I'd be interested in both of your opinions on, but I think something that us as students, um, obviously it's a big step up into FD in terms of time management and seeing patients. Um, so how how do you manage that? How does that kind of happen? How do you progress from having two hours to 15, well, maybe an hour for a treatment? And also like you were saying to, uh, today, TJ, before we came on about having such a long day and how do you build that kind of stamina of going from two, four patients a day to, I don't know, what do you see now, 10, 15, you know? It, yeah. You know, I, after a full day of outreach where I have four patients, I'm exhausted and I don't want to see anyone, talk to anyone, do anything. So that now seeing that many patients to me is is <laughs> is crazy. I've um, I've got a few things, just a very quick ones. Um, I think first of all, that's probably one of the things that people are most worried about going into FD because it is such a crazy change of time, and you hear like what the what the normal sort of general dentists are cracking out in a day. Um, but the very quick answer is that very, very quickly, you see that actually you, you're given plenty of time at the start. Um, your exams are booked longer, your treatments are booked longer and everything because everybody knows it's going to take some time. Um, so you're given plenty of time to, to do your work. And if, if, say, you start off you're like, actually, I need a bit longer with that, then go for it. I wouldn't recommend it, but I know some people that are doing three-hour endos. I wouldn't mm-hmm. recommend it because your patient's never going to close their mouth again. Um, <laughs> so don't be afraid to separate into multiple stages. Uh-huh. Um, and often the patients that you're treating have already been on the FD list for ages. They know it's going to take a bit more, longer for people uh, for a new dentist to come in and, and take over their treatment. So I think, first of all, you're given enough time. Then once you get, you know, after a few months, when I say a few, I mean, like, everyone's different. Like, some people start reducing times in three or six or whatever but when you get some more confidence then you should not push yourself but implore yourself to try and be a bit more efficient in your appointments tj did a really really good uh, i can't remember which one of your things it was tj but you said this perfect line where you have to be i I don't think i'm using the right word but you said almost purposeful with your drill Mm, yeah yeah yeah, deliberate you know that was excellent yeah yeah and that's something that absolutely takes time but what at the end of the day, like you'll just get, you know, you know, you're just going in for a filling. You drill a little bit more, and then take a look. Dry with three and one. Do a little bit more. You didn't yeah. take anything. Dry it again just to make sure you didn't take anything. <laughs> you just, you, yeah. And then, and you're just annoyed at yourself at the end. So, being purposeful is a really good thing. But the second thing I have, I have to say is that whatever time you book out for yourself, you're gonna take that much time. If you have a filling, you book out an hour. You're gonna take an hour. 
If you yeah. have a feeling you booked out 30 minutes, you're going to take 30 minutes, you know, you might go five or 10 minutes over, mm -hmm. but that's, that's how you really start getting efficient is actually pushing yourself with, with supervision, you know, with your ES and things like that to, to work a bit uh, smarter. Um, and then you said about the fatigue, Adam, in my experience, it just takes time. I'll, I'll let mm -hmm. TJ put his sort of, um, input now for, for those things, but that's what I think. Yeah. I, I'll say if you're doing a three hour endo, then the patient won't come back for the crown prep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, so maybe that's the whole point. Yeah. I know, literally. <laughs> if they cancel as well, your day is gone. <laughs> Over. It turns into a six hour. <laughs> I'm going to come back. Oh, it's a salaried position. Yeah. <laughs> Don't forget that. That's a good one. Don't rub it in, man. <laughs> um, I'll probably start off by saying the answer probably no one wants to hear, but I don't focus on speed. I think focusing on speed is the wrong, wrong mindset to have, especially in FDA. You're in a salaried position, as Adam just mentioned. You're not getting paid for, your, for, for being quicker. So I wouldn't rush and thinking, okay, first day, boom. Like you can walk in your first day and I guarantee you can do a 50 minute checkup. You, you'll be fine. You can do a 50 minute mm -hmm. checkup, but you, you're not doing the checkup in the best way you could be. You're not being comprehensive. You're not learning to do things right. So I've always said, do things right, get good first. And as a result of being good, you'll naturally just become quicker. I don't think it has yeah. to be a focus. I think if you go into the year with that as a focus, then you'll potentially become quicker, but I don't think you'll become good because you'll just learn to cut corners basically. Um, but in terms of um, what actual tangible things you can do, so I'd always say even preparation is really important. Know what you're doing before before you go in. So if you've got a filling box, then just look at the radiograph, look at what you're going to be doing, what birds you might need, what size of things you might need, what LA you're going to give. You should know exactly what order of LA. And even when it comes to that, when it comes to root canals and extractions, I already have a sort of protocol in my mind of what order mm -hmm. I'm going to do things on. So I might start with ID block and a buckle infiltration, but automatically I already know that another articanes on the side if they're not feeling numb then i'm going to do intrapapillary intraligamentary automatically after that mm. and if that doesn't work then i'm going to do another idea like i always mm. have that in my head before the patient and the patient is that something you've kind of developed as the years gone on or is it something you kind of had an idea about at the start and you've tried to implement it well i guess it's developing all the time as you you get more even experience in school, even in dental school i was the same thing um i i heard lincoln harris speak as well about uh -huh. la I, I found i found really really valuable is that people tend to undergive LA mm. and then uh, pay pay the consequences for it for it later. Um, that is me, mate. Yeah, I I I make sure my patients are, are, are <laughs> known from the start. I'm yeah. not, not going over the top, but mm -hmm. I think two two cartridges for an RCT and extraction for me is standard. That that's always yeah. good. I want, I want it to be a painless experience. Even if the patient if you start doing extraction the patient feels pain and then you have to top it up, that's always going to leave a negative imprint in the patient's mind. You want, yeah. to be a, you want to be a complete ease during that during that uh, procedure. So, yeah, I think I, I, I wouldn't be too shy. That's my personal opinion. I wouldn't be too shy with, with, with giving LA. Make sure you do it properly. Make sure it's thoroughly done. Um, people tend to avoid ID blocks as well for certain teeth and try to rely on infiltrations. Personal opinion again, but I, I wouldn't give an ID block to make sure it properly works. And then mm -hmm. if you start doing an extraction and then you have to go back and top up things and wait for it to work, it just slows you down uh, quite quite a lot. Um, so that, that kind of links to being pers being purposeful, like Cena mentioned. When you're drilling, you know you know you're going to a certain depth. Just have the confidence to go to that depth without, you know, checking too early or being over cautious. Because I think there's a balance to be made where you sort of have to sort of do both. Um, 
that's part of preparation as well. When you know an emergency patient's coming in, for example, we can always look back mm -hmm. at the previous months. Have they been in for that tooth before? Uh, have they um, yeah, had a, a recent filling that was potentially deep? And you can look at the notes, look at the radiograph, prepare yourself mentally. And then, yeah, that, 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 speed, that speed will come. There's some more things as well, but I think if you start with those, you'll already be in a good place. Um, yeah. And also, TJ, you were saying about that whole protocol and everything you have planned. It just makes things so much less stressful for you. You don't feel like you're faffing all over the place with the patients in the waiting room, you know? Um, that's a big thing I find when I do what you, what you said. And it links to the second question Adam asked, which is mental mm -hmm. fatigue. The mental fatigue, when you have protocols, the, the fatigue yeah. is so much less. Because if you're dealing with a big carrier's cavity and you say in your head, okay, if a cusp is under three millimeters, that, that cusp is getting reduced. And you know that in your head. And that means that when you're doing the procedure, you don't have to think like you're measuring, you just do the reduction. So at the end of the day, if it's not that it's not as tiring if you don't have to make as many decisions so try, if you try and have these protocols it will limit their mental fatigue um obviously you still feel tired <laughs> as you said you gotta kind of okay up and just get used to it man it's, it's a difference it's a difference to me yeah. well, mm -hmm. we'll just get used to it with more exposure but uh, yeah I'll, I'll leave it as have protocols that will make you feel less fatigued at the end of the day great yeah and no, i think that'll be useful for for everyone listening as well um I'm thinking now about kind of support and obviously dental school, we get loads of support. You've got like um, a tutor watching over you. They stop you like at every step and most of the time or sometimes check you're doing it right. Um, how does that differ in FD? And I know everyone's experience is going to be different, but how have you guys found it at your practices and maybe other people you've spoken to? And, you know, at this point in your FD, how much are you getting your ES in and how, how have you grown in kind of that respect? I'll let you start, Cedar. All right, mate, thank you. Um, so, I, from what TJ was saying when we were talking before, initially, I think we've both been quite lucky and just have fantastic support. Sorry if I'm putting words in my TJ, but my ES has been great and yeah. my nurse has been fantastic. Would you say the yeah. same? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, that, that yeah. really helps. So, winning the lottery Big time. with your supervisor. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, for us, we've probably got the the best standard and that um i'll give you my example so my yes takes all mondays off um and she's available there for me for any situation on monday wow. so i'll book the, the the treatments i'm not very comfortable with on monday so that she's just there she'll be in the room with me um literally holding my hand taking over if it needs to be done etc even on a day if she's got her own list um she would there's enough time and still would would always be there um, another great thing is that I have um, uh, an oral surgeon in my practice who is the best person at TOT that I've ever seen in my life. I, if any Bristol uh, oral surgeons are listening, you guys were sick as well. <laughs> you would agree with me. This guy is insane. <laughs> yeah, this honestly, he could like use a BP probe to take out anything. Not that he does, but he could. Um, and um, so there's, there's having the right support as well, you know. So so. I think my ES's strength as well was delegating well uh, to, to, to associates that also were happy to teach me. Um, so my support was fantastic. I could stop whenever I wanted, get help whenever I wanted. Um, so in that, I, I'd actually personally say I got a bit more support than dental school because wow. when you've got a whole like six, seven, eight, nine bays of mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know dent dental students who have touched the drill twice, um, and you have to deal with the preparation over here and uh, a bleeding patient over there. 
obviously you're going to get less attention but you do get one to one with your es so that's how i felt with mine yeah yeah definitely definitely use your es definitely use it this, this as i said this year is so cherished like i can't even imagine what fee you'd have to pay to get another dentist to be like to come and come whenever you ask yeah. him to see your room and he, that's that's his Mad. job like, it's a golden opportunity so um there'll be some people that are you know hesitant to ask the es because they think that they might be looked down upon or looked as incompetent obviously it depends yeah. per supervisor but i think being a good supervisee as well is important so for example you know if you're throughout the day you keep having to call your yes in and then yeah. your nurse has to go grab him and then bring him to your room and it's like almost random and erratic that can that can put you off asking them for more help but if if you notice they've not got a patient in the moment and then you pop into their room and say oh later on i've got a um a, an endo an upper six you know last time i did it i was struggling with access so i'll go get them numb i'll put the rubber dam on and then do you mind just popping in maybe around quarter past just to have a look the supervisor mm-hmm. is going to be more at ease they're going to be more willing to help you in that scenario so mm-hmm. um yeah honestly i i i tried to use my yes i think at the start i didn't ask them enough so i made a conscious effort to ask them ask them more because they've always got something to to add even if they agree with my decision or whatever they might have an extra tip or trick um to add um at the minute i'd probably say um probably call them maybe once once every two days maybe but mm-hmm. that, yeah, yeah that that's that's personal per person and i wouldn't i don't think it means anything in any direction if you ask them more if you ask them less it's a uh, mm-hmm. yeah, good good person to use so make sure you get your, your mm-hmm. money's worth out of yeah. them Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and you know what? That's what I'm almost doing. Like, now that I'm getting, I'm, I'm saying do you once every other two days, but now I'm getting closer to the end. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna have someone to do this with. Like, yeah, get it, get it. Yeah, what about this BP? Do you like, would you say this is also a three? Please double check. Listen, if your hands get tired, just be like, thank you, my yes. Yeah, they get paid well. You gotta make sure that's funny. Um, I like um, what was I going to say I was going to ask about kind of asking the ES to kind of get you um, uh, instruments or equipment you want and kind of uh, your experiences I think both of your practices are fairly well equipped but I know that can be an issue as well that people worry about kind of not having more to re-endo and that type of thing and is it acceptable to ask your ES to, to get you things is that is that normal or you know, and also, what, what was the biggest surprise moving into practice? Because, you know, dental school is, I, I'm sure, very different to practice life where you've got nurses, you've got a team, you've got management. Was there anything that you were like, wow, like, I, I just wasn't expecting this? Yeah, I think equipment-wise, um, again, it's going to vary quite a lot on the practice. Uh, you definitely should be should be asking for it. I mean, for my for my, um, for my uh, deanery, they've got a list of all the essential equipment every practice should have anyway. And mm-hmm. there, was, there was a lot of stuff on there which some people didn't didn't realize they, they were entitled to, so they didn't ask wow. for it. Um, but yeah, my, it's a bit different for me as well because my ES isn't my principal dentist as well. They're two different people. So wow. I was asking someone different to my ES for materials if I wanted them. And mm-hmm. I think again, if you just if you be a bit proactive and sort of make your case for why you you need this material or why it'd be helpful to have this material, or that um, you know you've seen something online that might help you in this scenario. I think that helps, um, and they will, they, will, they will definitely buy you bits here and there. But obviously, yeah. you have to appreciate the side, the business side of it as well. They obviously got a practice to run. If you're going to buy something and use it once and then never use it again, it's obviously it's going to become a big, big yeah. financial burden for yeah. the big time. That's what I'd say. Yeah, but also as well, like I think, be rest assured they will have those 
bare essentials. So like Rotary Endo, I'm I'm sure was on that list, wasn't it? Uh-huh. I think it. I think it is. Yeah, you just so people don't no need to worry about doing, that. No, no one is okay. doing. That. We had we had uh, one FD in in our year that was doing it, and it would be funny in study days. You should be complaining about it the whole time. But <laughs> that's that's sort of you know. So so if yeah. you haven't got anywhere with TPDs, ask ask your TPD as well because they'll be like, come on, like you're yeah. getting a good good budget here to have this yeah. FD. You can spare some rotary endo because the whole there there will not be any associates working for that for that practice if they're doing hand filing endos. You'll never do an endo in your life. Yeah, cool. and there's there's yeah. some practices which will they'll say do hand filing for the first number of months to get used to that before they let you. Yeah, use that's it. fair. Yeah, so that's that's fair. I mean, it's probably just save their pocket, but we'll go with also it. true. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> make sure after a couple a couple of good endos, yeah. you ask if you get your grade. <laughs> yeah, and in terms what of the practice your, environment. Um, just like anything that you were like, wow, like I just this was weird, or just that adaptation to kind of I don't know having a bigger team, or like I guess you know I guess it is again practice dependent. Do you, can you think of anything? Yeah, I'm. I'm in. I'm in quite a big practice. So our, our practice has got thirty staff members, got eight surgeries. So it's quite a busy practice. So I guess it is mm. a little bit different in that manner. That is is it's quite busy. That the principal, the practice manager, they're all busy people because they've got to manage a lot of people. So. I guess that is a little bit different, but to be fair, it's, it, it, it felt quite quite it's, normal, you, quite nice yeah. in general. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was okay. Yeah. I'm the opposite DJ. I've only got three surgeries, so oh. I've got quite a nice small family-like practice. Yeah. But same same thing, like any of this sort of big changes or shocks, we're all positive ones. You know, mm-hmm. oh great, I've got I've got a nurse here that I'm gonna yes. have the whole time, yes. and they're gonna they learn very quickly what um how you like to work. Um, for me, the biggest shock, which was again a very positive one, was having electronic notes in Bristol. We were, we had uh, paper notes back in the day. <laughs> I still can't and, believe uh, this when you told me. I know. Well, New Hospital Nine, I fought for just saying any of you greedy Bristol students, <laughs> electronic notes. Okay, so enjoy it, enjoy it, because it sucks. It absolutely sucks. And I'm gonna back into Cardiff now for more paper notes. So I'm gonna really feel that pain. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was, um, it, was good. it was good for me. I think um, the, the only shock I had was one time um, there's a, so my ES works four days. There's one day when he's not in, and one day happened to be the day that he wasn't in. <laughs> I was running behind. Always. And it got, to, it got to what, quarter past five, and I left my surgery. And I was like, oh, let me go tell everyone how my day was. <laughs> Everyone's gone. And for, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> practice, that's it. Everyone's home time. So. You had to close up the alarm on. And I mean, it's, it's different different practices, but like for, for mine, like lunchtime means means lunchtime. Like, people get annoyed yeah. overrunning that. Yeah, people get annoyed if you overrunning to the end of the day. So yeah, those... don't, don't be that person. Don't overrun at the lunch. Yeah, part. yeah, I know. That's, <laughs> that's a big, big one. Don't do that. <laughs> Um, and I know you're both into your photography and like kind of reflection. So do you have like a a, a structure to your reflection? Is it like every Sunday you're just going to look at your cases from the week and have you found that useful? Or is it just as and when take a photo or look at it? Would you think you should have a structure or is it just kind of learn that way? I, I think I think posting online is the easiest way to encourage yourself yeah. to, to reflect because it it just means one obviously because you know other people are going to see it even your work mm-hmm. itself better because you'll know that yeah you're, you're, to you're going to be 
butt naked when you post it. <laughs> Everyone's going to be able to see everything. Yeah. Like, it's not the act. The act of posting itself isn't the most valuable, I'd say. But knowing that you post, you're going to post cases every now and again, forced mm-hmm. you to make your work better. It also makes you reflect. So, okay, if I'm posting this, I better post everything. I better come out with everything that's wrong. Yeah. Reflections. Oh, on reflection, I left a little bit of carries in the media. All of the- <laughs> <laughs> it's like half the wall is gone. Because someone else, someone else will say. Exactly. So automatically, by by posting that, I think I've become more reflective in nature. But if you if you don't want to do that, then it might be useful to have a set time of the day where you sort of look look through them. Maybe put it into a portfolio of some sort. So even if you have an offline portfolio, put those cases, write them up, write your reflections off that, and then that's a good way of making sure you you reflect on them. Okay. And just quickly, I, I, non. Sorry, Zina, you go ahead. I was going to say, my, one of my top tips is to make sure you have some sort of camera. Um, hope, hopefully, most of the practices will have one. If not, um, get one yourself. I think you should just get one yourself anyway, um, because no matter what direction you're going to go in the future, you'll need an, uh, a, a camera. It doesn't have to be a crazy good one. The difficulty with uh, dental photography is the technique rather than the camera. Cameras have gone so far. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I say, just get whatever you can afford. My one, I pieced together the whole flash and everything like that. So from spare parts for 300 quid, that is nothing wow. when uh-huh. it comes to that. Yeah, Gee. right. To, for camera, even like a camera body can uh-huh. cost way more than that. So I mean, um, those are good. Yeah, exactly. See, that's what I'm saying. It's not, a, it's not a crazy camera stuff. And that obviously like 300 quid, like a small load of million dollars, it can sound <laughs> like a lot. It's not when you get that first paycheck, trust me. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. um, uh, but but if you have the if you have the funds to get a good camera, just get a really good one because it's never going to go out of date. Um, mm-hmm. And that, like TJ was saying, it is the best way. When you're in the heat of the moment, you're just trying to survive some of the cases. Yeah. When you have time to look at a still photo and really pick it apart, that's mm-hmm. when it's good. And also, if you're someone who struggles with reflection, you're going to have to reflect anyway because you'll be having tutorials with your ES and there's a certain number of case-based discussions you can do. You'll get so much more out of those discussions if you have a photo. Be like, look, this is what looks like an X-ray. This is what looked like in the mouth. Here's what I did. What would you have done? It's great. And and um, I have to say, I was really really scared of posting on Instagram, but because I just want all the attention I can get, I did it eventually. <laughs> and yeah, and you know, and if you show like your reflection, if you not post this, be like, yeah, look at this. Mm, I'm sick. <laughs> you know but if you actually like show some honest reflection the uh-huh. feedback you get privately and on in the comments is so good from other dentists experienced uh-huh. dentists who are all so professional and mm-hmm. um, they'll never make you look bad uh-huh. and you I, I gained so much from it um like sort of whenever i like before i would have tried to like repair um amalgams with composite but that was stupid because um, the composite doesn't bond to amalgam. So mm-hmm. if I'm doing that again, I know it's GIC. Just take the whole thing out. Mm-hmm. You know, just you just learn so many little things, and um, it's fantastic. Uh, so get a camera. Get a camera yeah. and, and show your work. Definitely. Yeah. You definitely cool. take photos. Like I think even as much as you think you're gonna take photos when you before you start, like take them even more. Like you will never yeah. taking photos. Like uh-huh. yeah. I, I started the year thinking I'm gonna take so many photos, but obviously after the first initial motivation after the first couple of weeks, you start tailing off, you start thinking yeah. that anytime you're in that situation where you went, mm, should I take a photo or not? Just remember mm-hmm. my voice, just take it. Like, go yeah, get it. Do it. <laughs> so TJ says, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. just, um, take, take a photo because um, 
in some good advice for the year is that I didn't specifically know which which cases were going to be my milestone cases until <laughs> so the, the uh-huh. deadline started approaching. So if you just take photos of every little bit you do, then it's, it's really good. Or before you even start an endo, for example, I take a photo of that. One, it looks better yeah. if you put a portfolio of a pre-op picture uh, on mm. it, like, it makes more sense. But secondly, you don't know which ones are and either going to be really difficult, uh-huh. challenging, go really well, yeah. abnormal. So it's, it's a yeah. bit of a game when you start one and then, I don't know, you see, you finally find MB2 and then you're like, damn, I didn't take a pre-op. <laughs> no, I didn't take a pre-op, yeah. <laughs> I say, yeah. Yeah. reason TJ, like yeah. everything you said, um, don't wait for like that yeah. interesting or hard case yeah. to take one or that crazy like treatment. You, you need to learn to take good photos as well. Then once it gets to that point, you take a rubbish photo of it, then you're really going to hate yourself. Exactly. So as soon as you, while you're doing the exam, be like, oh, just want to practice my photography to the patient or like, you're not going to see your face at all. Is that all right? I'm not going to post it. <laughs> Boop, no, fine. Boop. Yeah. You know, and then when it comes to that sick endo, like I've got a, I've got a, uh, a photo that I did where you can see like halfway through each canal. Like you get so good at it so uh-huh. quickly. So mm-hmm. um, that was just going to leave with that. Just take photos of everything. Yeah, everything. Nice. Good. <laughs> yeah. Good. And of course, communication is such an important part of our role as a dentist. And I'm sure you guys have had to kind of learn a lot about communication, discussing prices with patients and, you know, adapting to, to, you know, different styles of patients. So how have you guys found that going from uni, seeing only a few patients to having to now speak to so many more and being exposed to so many more different types of patients? And have you got any kind of golden nuggets or pieces of advice that you've you've found useful? I never never used to, communication in general, I never used to really like make it personal. Like even, even when I'm talking to patients now, I make a difference between, first you talk like in a certain way, you're very rigid and like, This, 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 that. So there's, there's three options for this tooth. But now yeah. I just like, it's not, it doesn't seem authentic if you're talking that manner. So I've started being like, uh, to be honest, the tooth's not in a good state. And I'll just be like, you know, if it was my tooth, like I talk more as I'm talking to a person as I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, how you talk? So even online, I do the same thing. When I, when I speak, and I speak almost how I'm thinking. I don't really over filter it, I don't over correct it. And I think that's big time. that more. And people connect with that sort and of I thing. Think, yeah, and I think that will make your day easier and your job easier because you're not having to put yeah. that photo report day like putting on like, like I need to be professional. Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously, yeah. you need to be professional, but like That's really, <laughs> yeah, it's exhausting and I know, and it's hard. And you, you obviously there is a limit to it. You can't just be like swearing and like too casual yeah, with yeah. patients, but no, it definitely helps. Yeah, but you'd be surprised. I 100% agree with both of you there. Like I, I did that switch as well, DJ. I think it's. Obviously, it's just, first of all, it's hard talking to patients about things early on that you realistically don't really know about. So you get confidence going through it. But then, like you said, then all of a sudden when you start testing waters, you're like, actually, let me just be brutally honest here yeah, yeah. and tell them what I think. Um, and it works. And I think I think a big part of people not doing First of all, like, I always make this statement that everything we talk about is, is to do with a certain person. If you're a kind of person that doesn't really want to talk and things like that well you do your bare minimum and make sure you're not going to get any litigation <laughs> against you and then go about your day but like if you're some if you're people like us and people who want to connect and actually feel like they're doing a good job being open and honest just opens so many doors for you and and you know what like i you know obviously we all make mistakes i'm literally telling you right now i think every single mistake i've made the patient apologizes to me i i, mm. I did one of my first resin bonded bridges two weeks ago since then it's came off three times and they come in and be like i'm sorry like i, I know you don't want to see my face ever again i'm like no i'm sorry like 
I'm trying my best here and stuff, but you know, like, so, so you set yourself up and, and you're never going to be everybody's cup of tea. So then those patients where I've just been a hundred percent myself with, they can't fault me because I, I put them first the whole time. And, and eventually they're like, oh, I'm, I'm going to switch dentists. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm like, okay, fair enough. Like, yeah. Most of the time we did not gel and yeah. I'm not sad about that as well. There was a balance. So, as you said, like being, being authentic but still tailoring as the person, like tailored authenticity. That's that's yeah. important because sometimes you'll pick up things from a certain patient. So a patient might walk in and they, even the way they describe their presenting complaint will be completely different. One person might say, okay, this crown came off. I was really embarrassed. I was at this party. And you already automatically know the sort of person that the way things look affects them. So I, I just put that to the side of asking, oh, where, where were you? Who was there? Like trying to like, probe more out of them. Then you actually know what their deeper desires are for them, for their teeth, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Because um, then you'll Practice find me. other things in their mouth that they're concerned about, and you never actually undercover those if you don't don't discuss that. Whereas someone yeah. else, I see like an older gentleman who comes in, and then was like, "Oh yeah, this came out two weeks ago." This crowd, and like he, he's not bothered about that. He's just like, "Oh, I want it to be put put right and put together." So you treat you treat them and you communicate with them in a very different manner depending on the person that's sat in your chair. So. Yeah, and also TJ, and you you've made such a good point there. That also helps us not listen to our unconscious bias like you see like an exempt nhs patient come in and people like don't even offer them white fillings or things like that and then they'll be yeah. the ones actually that get all the emaxes all the composite bonding all that stuff you know so mm -hmm. it stops you from doing that and building that rapport one of one of my um professors um back in uni said word for word he said dentists are shit at talking about money <laughs> and he's so right like as soon as he, and that's that's a hard thing as well adam you'll mm. come to see like whenever even just band one two and three of the nhs asking for that something that is is governmentally funded is difficult but yeah. when you do these communications then you become less afraid to just say the price like the way i think about it is that if I'm too scared to say the price, I'm I'm not going to talk about it properly, and then then it's going to be a problem. But whereas we we make this sort of assumption that they're already going to hate the price no matter what mm -hmm. it is, and so we're scared to say it. Whereas you, if you say it, then there's a problem. Then you can explore that problem, like you're saying, TJ. People's priorities yeah. are in different places. Mm -hmm. yeah. It might be that there's something going on, and money needs to be put elsewhere. Obviously, the climate and everything like that. But it, then you can work with them be like, okay, well, if that's not your cup of tea, well, we can either separate it out or we can go along this route of treatment instead. Mm -hmm. I, think, I think if you, if you understand them, that you're confident that that price is providing value to them because you're solving their precise problem. And a white filling for some, one person might solve a different problem to a white filling for that, for you know, to a different person. You know what I mean? You you know that this is going to help them. So, you know, you're confident that that price is, is worth it to them. And then you'll be able to confidently, you know, tell it to them. Yeah, there's a couple of things based on that as well. Is that one you're doing a bit of a disservice to the patient by not giving them all the options anyway in the first place. So I I always initiate conversations saying the gold standard thing to do, the best thing you could possibly do for this space. Like how, how many like how many dentists actually offer implants for a missing space? Not many, right? Because it's it skips. Oh, mate, yeah. I'm not going to be doing it. So you think oh, it's not yeah. worth mentioning it. But I always start gold standard. This is the the best possible thing for this too. Is this. And then you sort of judge their reaction and you can say that a compromise could be this and this and that, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But even when you talk talk about price as well, the important thing is, look, I think average research says it takes three months to decide. Um, when, when you do a big purchase, it takes three months before you fully decide and, and just doing what option you want to go for. Like, you know, 
you can never show someone a house and then instantly uh, like an hour later yeah okay cool i want to buy it like it takes time to process it takes time to talk to relatives friends it just takes more time to even when they're sleeping they'll be background processing this right and determining whether it's important to them so if you shy away from telling them the price you're giving them less time to process it and make it make a decision as well yeah, so, yeah I, I agree with what you said it's good to be frank with the with the price mm-hmm. given the options even pop- even what you're saying there tj you're talking about the gold standard how, and you're saying how many of us uh, you know say like do you, you know implant to replace this gap how many of us when there's a when they present with a gap that you haven't created uh, yeah. how many of us even offer them like oh by the way like how, how do you think about this gap and like you Great know point. what no one's ever asked me that before actually i'm finding it quite annoying blah 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 and then you have that conversation again communication i i honestly think and this is me blowing my own trumpet here because <laughs> i've learned to try and love myself a bit more i think communication is my superpower and there's been many many times where um things could have gone very south or did go south and communication just dug it straight out of it and everybody's happy in the end and you know now that i'm coming to the end of my um my year in, in this practice patients that i've perceived to absolutely hate me because of the way they communicate to me like oh i feel like you know i was really getting used to it. i'm really sad that you're leaving and stuff and i'm just looking at it, I was like oh, i did not get those vibes i thought you hated me so it's you know you just got to carry that on with each patient um it's massive isn't it and, yeah. and you clearly you clearly really implemented that for yourself as well tj well, i think you've seen it you come you come across naturally very good at communicating anyway so it, it sort of seems for me anyway it's a second conversation but it comes, seems like it comes across very natural to you but even if it's not naturally coming to you as a student or as an fd i think fd is a perfect time to own that skill because you've got yeah, no man. pressure you've got no uda pressure in theory, all your patients would love you because no other dentist in the practice has probably spent as much time as you can. With Big them. time, mm-hmm. yeah. Once you get into practice, then there's more pressures on the practice and from the UDA targets and stuff. But FD is a great year to like really hone your consultation skills, have deeper conversations with patients and learn how to word things, try different things out. It's a, such a good opportunity. Yeah, you smashed it. Thanks for the compliment, TJ. I, I learned my communication because I worked in my dad's pizza shop for many years right. in East Belfast. It's a, it's a rough place um, if you're looking for trouble. But um, because of that, I've dealt with angry people so many times. And the only way I learn and the only way most people learn is when you mess everything up. And you have to, yeah, it, it's going to be scary, but you have to be prepared to make a mistake. But you will never make that mistake again because it'll it'll burn it in your head. And like you said, FD is a fantastic year. And with communication, I think that can be one of the scariest mistakes to make sometimes because you're like, well, that's going to be the complaint. This is where litigation comes from, blah, blah, blah. But the worst thing you can say is nothing. Yeah. Unless you swear the patient, don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) So, so yeah, yeah. So, so do it, you know, have the confidence to do it. Like FD year is, you've got... even if you've got one of those nightmare situations where maybe practice isn't that great, nurse isn't that great, ES isn't that great, you know, we all hear about them. It's the main fear I think most people have when choosing a practice and um, when it comes to FD. You're still in such a safe environment to make mistakes. Someone yeah. will be supportive if it's not another associate, if it's not your TPD, if it's not your ES, if it's not your manager, if it's not your nurse. You've got all these people. One of them is fine to not be a douche. Yeah. <laughs> I'd hope so. I'd hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
Then we'll let us know in a couple of months. Yeah, yeah I was going to we'll say, see, we'll, we'll see, see how he gets on. Yeah, okay. And like, one last thing before we wrap up quickly is just about kind of non-clinical side and just the year as a whole, you know, any advice for just enjoying FD year outside of dentistry, you know, anything around that? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd say definitely so- socialise a lot. Especially, as I said it earlier, FD year, you're still in a in the, you're in your own practice. You're still in a little bit of a community. You've got your scheme. You've got the people. So I'd try and meet up with them as much as possible. Keep 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 those keep your friends tight. Don't um don't socially isolate. Even if you've mm-hmm. had a hard day, I think most some people might lean into the isolation side. I think you should lean to the other side and socialize mm-hmm. more and don't lose don't lose touch with the things that you used to enjoy. If you go to the gym now, I've made it a priority for me to keep going to the gym, even on the hard days, even on the long days, even when I'm tired. Because I know overall for my my well-being, I, I just love going. I don't want to start compromising with the stuff that I enjoy on just because of that. And uh, mm-hmm. secondly to that, it's just that, it, and as much as most people lean into the fact that they, they really care for their patients and they're really important to do this, I think we tend to overlean and care too much sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, at the end of the day, they are just tea. And if you make yourself, if you Love. start mentally, physically neglecting your well-being for the sake of, you know, teeth, then you can't even do your job to the best of your abilities anyway. So it's not actually perforations, where you, whether you do any mistakes, whether you snap some roots or whether you have a chloric accident, whatever happens at the end of the day, mm. it's, it's not as deep as you think it is. It's not that deep. Like just, it's it's, it's, it's just teeth. <laughs> Let's not over, yeah. over like they realize that. Big time. I'm the exact same, I'd say, as well. Um, I think one of the most important things, if not the most important thing, is just take care of yourself, your physical and your mental health. Um, Gym has been huge. Um, Adam, you were talking about sort of that fatigue and stuff like that. I feel way better, way more awake in in practice if I've gone to gym the day before. It makes me feel so much better if I've got a healthy diet going on, cooking for myself feels so much better so taking care of yourself in that way and your mental health man you've got so much support around you mm-hmm. um i'm 100% agree with tj if it's a really crappy day you should even more Speak. need to go yeah. out be proactive yeah 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 yeah, 100%. yeah. i think that's then, i think that's and, what's coming from everything be proactive clinically reach out to people share your work be proactive outside of the clinic the more you can put out the more i think will come back to you and and yeah. you'll have much better results and like you're saying you're not alone in fd you're certainly not alone you've got your es you've got the rest of your practice you've got everyone else on your scheme i'm sure you know your yeah. family hopefully they'll be able to listen to you <laughs> even if yeah. they don't know what you're yeah, talking yeah. about hopefully they'll listen to you yeah that was a lovely summary you're good at that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, yeah. and you know what i think tj summarized it perfectly it is not that deep it's mm-hmm. never that deep Mm-hmm. Nice. Apart from the carries, okay. that's always <laughs> always into the pool. Yeah, it's always going to be at least oh. three times deeper than you thought. So that's fine. Yeah, you read across, mate. I will see like a little tiny like E one slash D one carries and be like, it might go to your nerve. You never know. <laughs> <laughs> then when you do fine, like see, <laughs> you're welcome. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, any final thoughts before we wrap up from you two? Um, I'd just say, um, just in general, your progress isn't going to be linear. So even though you you might smash a few days of doing extractions and you might think, okay, now I'm getting good at this, you might just have a day of doing bad one. It's not it's not a straight upwards line. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't you know analyze every single thing you do too much as well. 
in the fact that you know sometimes you will just have something not go quite right as well and um too as well when i mentioned seeking mentorship and stuff like that i think reach out to us guys reach us to fds people that have recently mm -hmm. Uh, my 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 DMs are always open, so like I'm always happy to answer questions um, about anything, whether that be socially, mentally, clinically, other sort mm -hmm. of thing. Um, I already get quite a few questions already, but like, people ask me, and I'm always happy to answer them. Um, That's me, sorry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and exactly. I think it's important. <laughs> I think it it can, it can be quite intimidating, you know, um, messaging someone who's like five years qualified or like some of yeah. these, you know, big people you see on Instagram. So just knowing there's people who are a year ahead of you, two years ahead of you. Um, who are open, who, you know, are reflecting on their work, showing their mistakes and, you know, aren't going to laugh at you and tell you, you know, you're rubbish and you need to stop doing <laughs> dentistry when your messaging is really important <laughs> on YouTube and oh, well, hopefully myself as well are, you know, examples of that. You're a lot more relatable when you've just been through it. And uh, think that's, I think that's why people seem to ask, ask me questions, the clinical questions, even though I'm not the best person at answering those questions. I think I'm a bit more relatable in that manner. And um, I know we're going to mention at some point next year, I've... Um, doing an official mentorship scheme so yeah yes yes but other messages i can only sort of give so much advice or speak so much so uh -huh. i had people ask me like oh i wish i could speak a bit longer with you and then to talk about this mm -hmm. more detail show you this specific case um so if anyone that's uh, interested best place Definitely. to find me just on instagram dr dot tanaka cadio and um yeah if you're interested in the mentorship scheme then let, let me know uh so yeah, I'll be able to there's some basic videos basically of all the basics of FD things I think everyone should know mm -hmm. but then also uh, attached to that there'll be a few free calls as well where we can sort of just discuss um, anything you want basically so yeah, yeah. Keep, keep your eyes peeled for that one definitely now and the sooner you invest in yourself and the sooner you of either avoid bad habits with your dentistry or just get into good habits and following TJ that's what you're going to get I think that's uh, invaluable because I'm sure the bad habits are just as hard to break as the good habits are to, to implement. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and I think um, a testament to TJ, TJ's mentorship, um, I, one of the things I like the most that you do, TJ, is you sort of break that myth that we can't do um, gold standard entry on the NHS. Mm -hmm. you, you, you bust it wide open. So um, <laughs> and that's, that's something that I think is, is really valuable because especially in a day and age where people are getting scared away from NHS dentistry, yeah any reason to stay in is, is another one and i think you really explained that one really well oh thank you i appreciate that Definitely. okay so thank you for listening thank you so much to tj uh, for coming on i've i feel a lot more reassured i think i think i had a few you know even just like the weird feeling of going into practice if i was going to get support if i could talk to my es and i think speaking to you guys and hopefully for everyone at home I, they're feeling more reassured just like i am so yeah um definitely follow tj go and apply for the mentorship thing yeah. and um yeah we'll be we'll be back in september i think yeah sounds good Great. thanks tj no worries i'm looking forward to tuning into the rest of the episodes guys so yeah keep it up definitely a really positive thing you guys are doing appreciate it thank you mate no nice one. beautiful